Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Um, one of my uh, part of my one of my habits that I have uh, every day, or almost every day, is uh, I get up early in the morning and I go. Uh, I take my Bible. And I sit down and I just read through the Bible. And I've actually got a little system that I use to help, you know, read, help me in a year. I'll read through, uh, read through the Bible and also have um, uh, the ability and in, in with technology or to, to write down just thoughts that I have, just thoughts that I have concerning uh, something that I read or when I'm reading through the Scriptures. And so one of my favorite places to read, I love all the Bible, but one of my favorite places that I love to stay and in, in, in camp out, if you will, in the Bible, it's in the Gospels. It's the where G- the life of Jesus is recorded, and what I love about it is that you can, you know, you can you can walk through Jesus' day to day activity. You can go in the Gospels, and you can just kind of walk through with Him, and you sort of do life with Him. And one of the things that I've noticed about Jesus in the Gospels is that He always loved to help people. Jesus loves to help people. How many believes that? You've seen that. I mean, I mean, if it's blind folks that need uh, healing in their eyes, he helped them. If, if, it's, if it's, hey, they need some wine at the, at, the, at the wedding celebration, what did Jesus do? He turned water into wine. I mean, uh, the, the, the paralyzed guy that, was, was, uh, that needed help, Jesus helped them. I mean, Jesus, I believe this, that Jesus walked around all the time and he's looking for people to help. He's looking for individuals to help, but but I will say this: I do think there are times that Jesus had to walk by some folks that needed help, but he couldn't. It's not that he didn't want to, but he could not. But then there are times where where where, where they, they individuals needed help, and he certainly stopped and he helped them. Let, let me just say this: just because there is a need, just because there is a need, it doesn't mean that Jesus is going to be able to stop and help that. Jesus looks for opportunities. And that opportunity is called faith. That opportunity is called what? Faith. Faith. Let's go over to Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 17 through 24. Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 24. It says, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. He knows that the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. He loves to rob. That's just what he does. Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. Listen to verse 19. Jesus said, You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine this? (laughs) Can you imagine a father bringing the son, the son apparently just standing there, Jesus is interacting with the father, and all of a sudden, the father moves the son towards Jesus, and he has a convulsion. He's rolling around on the ground, and Jesus looked at him, 
the boy doing this, and, and when Jesus looked at him, he looked at the father, and he said, how long has he been like this? It's not funny, but Jesus' response to me is sort of funny. How long has this been going on? It says, from a childhood, he answered. It is often thrown him in fire or water to kill him. Watch this. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, up until this point, Jesus is a bit, I would think, laid back. He's just listening. He's just trying to figure out where this man is at. Where is he at? Jesus wants to meet him where he is. And then all of a sudden, the man says, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Listen to what Jesus says. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who what? In other words, Jesus was taken aback at that state. He, was, he took exception to what that man said. When the man said, Jesus, if you can help us, Jesus said, what are you talking about if I can? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, watch this. I do believe. I, I, I do believe, Jesus. Listen. But help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, Jesus, I do believe that's the reason that I'm here. The reason that I came here, the reason that I brought my son is because I believe. But in this moment, I'm struggling with unbelief. In this moment, because I see what's happening and I see what's going on, I am struggling. This message this morning is for everybody that's in the same place that this man was at when he brought his son to him. This message this morning. It's for everybody in the room that says, you know what? I believe that God can do anything. I believe that all things are possible to those who believe. But I'm dealing with some stuff right now that's causing me to doubt and to waver. And it's causing me to, to not believe. And you're here because you're saying, I just want some help with my unbelief. Let me say this. If you're struggling with that this morning, if you're at that place, if you're struggling with this this morning, look, you're not abnormal. God's not mad at you. Come on now. God's not disappointed in you. He just doesn't want you to stay where you are. <laughs> and and I, I'm going to be very transparent and very honest with you. Hey, I deal with this too. You say, but <laughs> wait, you're a pastor. Yeah. And I'm also human. Come on now. So this is for everybody who might be struggling with some unbelief in this moment. We want to take a quick journey this morning through a collection of people. It's a group of people. It's listed in the Bible that, that trusted in God, that, that put their confidence in God. They trusted in God, and they saw God do some amazing things. And, and, and this collection, this group of people are found in Hebrews chapter 11. If you've been around the church and you've been a Christian very long, you've probably heard people talk about it. You've heard, heard, you probably maybe even read or heard people talk about Hebrews chapter 11. It's, uh, some people call it the Faith Hall of Fame. I like to say it's like this. It's like where the legends are listed. The legends of faith are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to take a little bit of a journey through that list of, of people. And there's seven people that I want to talk about this morning. And I got seven lessons that we're going to learn from seven legends. And I'm going to take about 10 minutes per legend. If you do the math, we're going to get out a little bit late this morning. Come on. <laughs> Some people are like, doggone it. 
I wish I wouldn't come to church this morning. He's going to go long. No, no, no. I'm just joking. I'm not going to go. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to get you out on time. But I've got seven, seven lessons from seven legends, but I've also got seven questions. Seven questions from the lessons. My, faith, my goal or my faith is this, is that I know each lesson may not be relevant to where you are, but my heart and my desire is that maybe one, may one of the, maybe in one of the lessons you'll go, hey, that's it. That's what I'm missing. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God because I need some help in my life. Again, is anybody here that needs some help with their life? That wants to see God. You know, you know that you know that you know that God can do something amazing in your life if you just give him the chance. The first lesson this morning is Abel's lesson. If Abel was able, pun intended, if Abel was able to step, you'll you'll get that on the way home. (laughs) If Abel was able to step out of eternity and step here this morning and give you a lesson, he would, I believe he would say this to us. He would say this, if you're taking notes, write this down. I believe Abel would say, put God first. I believe that's what Abel would talk with us about. Put God first. Hebrews eleven four it says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. How many of you know that even though you may be dead, your story is still alive and can inspire others? The lesson that Abel would teach us, the lesson that Abel would communicate to us this morning again is this. Put God first because God was a priority in Abel's life. Genesis chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. Listen very closely to this event that happened. And this is where the lesson comes from. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now, pay a close attention to the very, uh, what is it, five words of that verse. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits. Go to verse 4. It says, And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But if you go on and read, you'll see that God rejected Cain's. Why? Why? Both of them had activity when it came to God. Both of them did something and, 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 and was, had, again, some, something active in their life in regards to God. But pay close attention to what happened with Cain. Cain, it said, that over a course of time, let me translate it this way. Cain's heart was this. God, when I get around to it, I'll bring an offering. God, when I get a chance, God, when I get time, then I'm going to bring an offering. I'm going to bring something to you. But see, Abel was different. Abel's offering was different. And it wasn't just Abel's offering. It was Abel's heart was different. Because it says this. It says that Abel brought the what? First born to God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear this this morning. I believe God is talking to us and saying to us, order matters. With God, order matters. Priority matters to 
God. Can somebody say amen to that? So here's the question. Here's the question. Where is God in your life? Where is God in your life? Is he first? And here's the reason we got to get this right. God won't be second. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? God, God won't be second. So that is the reason with Abel, God said, I'll accept you. And I'll accept your offering because I know, Abel, I am number one in your life. You see, all the, times I, all the time I see this as a pastor, I see people getting things out of order and then they can't figure out why their life is going bad and why God is not moving in their life. Well, it's not that God doesn't want to. The reason that God is not moving in their life is that God is not priority. Let me say it this way, that they're not ordering their life around God. I'll come to church whenever I don't have anything else to do. Do you realize why we come to church on Sundays? Because Sunday is the first day of the week. When you show up to this place on Sunday, what you're saying to God is that, God, I'm starting off my week saying, you're number one, God. You're first, God. When I bring the tithe and I bring the first fruit, not wait till see what's left over. But when I bring the first fruit, what I'm saying to God is, God, you're number one, God. You're priority in my life. I'm ordering my life around you, God. Before we go into a meeting at work, uh, instead of trying to figure out what we're going to say so we can win an argument or make a point, what we do is we stop and say, before I come in, before I go into that meeting, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray first. What we're saying is, God, when I walk into that meeting, I believe that you're going to give me the words to say. I believe that you're going to help me make the proper decisions. God, you're first. question again is, where is God in your life? Because he won't be second. The the next lesson is from a man by the name of Enoch. Enoch was legendary. And I believe if Enoch could step out of time, or Enoch, however you pronounce it, I believe he could step out of time, step out of eternity, he would take his place on the platform this morning and he would say this. This would be the advice. This would be the lesson that he would give us. It would be this, three words. If you're taking notes, write this down. Walk with God. Walk with God. Hebrews 11, 5 says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a way to go? Here's the thing with Enoch. Enoch didn't die. He was just walking along one day and God said, you know what? I like him so much. He doesn't even have to die. I'm just going to bring him here with me. Wouldn't that be a good good way to go? (laughs) I mean, skip all the not breathing stuff. I mean, just right to heaven. He did not even experience death, so it could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. What was it, Enoch? What was it, Enoch, that caused you to... Why would the Bible say that about you pleasing God? Genesis 5.24 gives us the answer. It says that Enoch walked faithfully with God. That Enoch walked what? Then he was no more because God took him away. There's something powerful about walking with God 
every single day of our life. Pastor Sam is a spiritual father to me. That's what he is. For years, he's helped me in the faith. And for years, he's, he's been very patient with me. And he's, he's encouraged me. And he's given me chances. And, and I'll forever be grateful for that. But I have had other men of God that have had influences in my life in particular seasons. And there was one particular season. It's when we lived out west. We were pastoring in Laramie. We're from Louisiana originally, but we were out there for about seven years. And the gentleman's name is a pastor. He's been pastoring for, for a long time. His name is Stan Simmons. And, and uh, we, our, we took the church. and It was growing and doing well. We built a facility. And, and you know, the enemy's just not going to sit back and let progress in the kingdom happen. How many knows, how many knows that's, that's the truth, right? And, and, and so I was in a season that, 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 that we were just having some challenges in the church. How many of you realize that sometimes church folks can be crazy? I mean, just get crazy. Just get crazy. It was one of those seasons, you know. It just, it just. And so I was talking. He came in and was preaching for me, and he got in the car, and we were talking, and he said, he said, he said, how are things going? I said, oh, Pastor Jim, they're doing good. And then I said, really, really they're not. All hell's breaking loose. <laughs> and he said, really? And I said, yeah. And I shared with him a few things. And he gave me about 30 seconds worth of, you know, it's going to be okay. And it's all right. And then he went on to say, where are we going to eat at? <laughs> and I didn't say it. But on the inside, I'm thinking, Stan. I'm bleeding here, and all you want to know is, where are we going to eat? And I started thinking about that. And I realized the reason that Stan, Pastor Stan, did not respond with, oh, dear God. The reason he didn't panic and fall out was because for years he had been walking with God. And he knew this. He knew that God is a faithful God. And he was confident that the same God that brought him through some challenging times pastoring was going to bring this young pastor by the name of John Welch through the same path of victory. Come on now. How many believe that, that believe that God is a faithful God? And when you walk with him, you begin to learn that he is a faithful God. One of the reasons that I know my wife so well and I trust my wife so well is because we've been walking together for many years. That's the reason I trust her with everything. The same is true with God. Not just meet up with God periodically. God, I'll, I'll check in with you on Sunday. But walk with Him faithfully. So here's the question. What's your walk with God like? How often do you think about God? How often do you talk to God? Noah's lesson. Noah's lesson. If Noah could step out of eternity and step onto this platform, and we said, Noah, what would be the lesson that you would give us? I think he would say this. Act on God's word. You act on God's word. When God says something, do it. When God says something, don't hesitate. Listen, everybody, most everybody knows the story of Noah. Most everybody in the place knows the story of Noah. He's the guy that built the ark. Hebrews 11 says, uh, 11, 7 says, It was by faith that Noah heard God's warnings about things he, had, uh, he could not yet see, but yet he obeyed God and built a large boat to save his family. By his faith, Noah showed that the world was wrong, and uh, he became one of those who, uh, who were made right with God through his faith. 
Think about it. One day God spoke to Noah and he said, hey, Noah, Noah, listen up. Noah, I want you to build an ark. What's an ark, God? Noah, I want you, forget the ark thing. Noah, build a boat. Noah goes, what's a boat? Noah, you got to build a boat because it's going to rain. God, what's rain? You had never experienced any of that. But yet God said, do it. Here are the plans. Do it. Let me just say it this way. That God gave Noah a word, and that word began to nudge Noah. Noah, do something that you've never done before. Obey me, Noah. We've had a few pets in my life, but there's one pet that really stands out to me. And he is a Labrador. He's in heaven now. And I know if you don't believe in dogs going to heaven, I'm sorry that yours didn't because of your unbelief, but mine's in heaven. I don't care about your theology. I don't care. I don't care. My dog's in heaven. Chip is there. He is waiting on me now. And if I'm like Enoch and God takes me out of here right now without taking my last breath, I'm going to see you. Praise God. <laughs> he is the dog in which we measure all dogs in the Welch family. One of the things I love about him is his obedience. He was just so, so good. But he struggled with one thing. And, and that was this, that, that he was a Labrador and, and he retrieved birds for me, uh, ducks and geese, waterfowl and things like that. But they told me when I bought him, when I bought him from the, the breeder, they said he's a pointing lab. Well, I'm from Louisiana. I don't know anything about pointing labs. I just know about labs who jump in water, go get ducks. That's all I know. But he said, they, they said, well, no, no, he, he'll point for you. He's, he's bred for that too. In other words, he, you know what I'm talking about when you say point? You ever seen dogs that they'll, they'll like, they get their nose down, tail back? And I'm not going to try to do it for uh, for you because I look stupid, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about, pointing. He points and like, he doesn't say like, there's the bird. He just points and, right? And then, then you, you give the command and, and he would flush the birds. Well, we would hunt pheasants. There's these really pretty birds out there out west, really pretty birds. Very, the males are very colorful, very pretty. They get up and after he points them and flushes them, then you just shoot them and then he go gets them and brings them back. That's the deal. But the problem with Chip, this is his only one problem that he had, was that with, with the female... Um, the female birds, the female birds, you, you, you couldn't shoot them. It was illegal. So you just had to let them fly. Well, Chip's problem was when he saw the bird flying away, he could not not chase the bird. <laughs> and so I had this command. The command was leave it. And so whatever Chip was doing in life, whatever he was doing, if I used the command leave it, it's to, it, to him, it's to stop what you're doing and come to me. All right, and he, he, would do, he would always obey except when the bird went away. He just couldn't stand it. And so I started making excuses for my dog. I thought, well, maybe he's not hearing me. Leave it. He's not hearing it. He's excited and all the grasses he's running through. He's just not hearing it. So I went hunting with a friend of mine. His name's Carl. And uh, about, you know, about probably just... Probably 30 minutes after the hunt began, uh, uh, we flushed a hen, and, 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 and the hen went, and so did Chip. Well, as it would happen, he ran right by Carl. The bird went kind of at an angle in front of Carl. So I'm, the dog is running. I'm hollering, leave it, and Chip keeps going after the dog. Excuse me, after the bird. 
And so I had told Carl about his problem. And so Carl came over to me and he said, Pastor, he said, he's hearing you. He said, when he ran by me and you called, leave it, he said, I saw his head turn back. And so he, he, he heard you. <laughs> I said, I said, all right, I can fix him. We went back to the vehicle and we got, we got chipped a special collar and I put this special collar on him. And so when I put this special collar on him, he had no clue as to what it was. It was like, he was so happy, had another cool collar on and he, but he had no idea what I had just strapped on him. It's called a shock collar. That's right. A shock collar. So I put that shock collar on him. And I purposefully let the next bird go, purposefully. And so Chip broke on the bird. He's chasing the bird. I called leave it. A millisecond after I called leave it, and he didn't turn around, I hit him with my... And it's funny, but it's not funny. So he jumped up. He bawled, spun around, and looked at me like, how'd you do that? I don't know how you did that, but that ain't funny. And I said, leave it. He came back to me, and he... So, we hunted a little bit more. Bird gets up. I purposely let it go. When he, when, uh, so, so when the bird got up, I called, leave it. He spun around in that second, turned around, came back, went, came around be, uh, beside me, sit down, and looked back up at me and go, like, we, we all right, right? I am not doing that again. <laughs> Everybody listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Listen. That's obedience. That's obedience. So I got a question for you. How uncomfortable, how uncomfortable are you going to have to get before you obey God? How uncomfortable are you going to get before you stop resisting the nudges that God's been giving you? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to stop resisting getting in a, in a small group or a life group? And God's been nudging you to do that. What's it going to take for you to quit resisting leading a life group or a small group that can change somebody's life? What's it going to take? Again, it got pretty quiet in this church this morning. The next person that would step on the stage this morning is a gentleman by the name of Abraham. Abraham was legendary. Legendary when it comes to faith. And I believe if he stepped on the platform this morning, the lesson that he would share with us is this. It would be patient. If you're taking notes, write that down. Be patient. If he stepped over this morning, he would look at us. And again, legendary in faith. And he would say, look, you need to be patient when you're trusting God. Be patient. Hebrews 6.15 says, and so in this way, Abraham, after much patience, after much patience, after much patience, after much patience, obtain the promise. Why is patience required when it comes to trusting God? Why? Here is why. God is the God of deliverance. God is the God of power. But God is a God of process. God is the God of process. And we have to be patient and trusting God in the process. Everybody say process. Be patient. And so here's, here's what will help you. Be patient in the process. It's, it's this reality. Though you may not see God moving, it doesn't mean that God is not moving. 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I can't see God working. It doesn't matter if I can't see God moving. I know that God is moving because he's a God who's faithful. He's a God who always performs his word. I know he's going to work. I know he's going to move. And I'm going to be patient because I know that he's working. So are you patient in the process today? Are you trying? Are you griping and complaining because you're not seeing God move? Stop griping and complaining. (laughs) And just be patient in the process. Moses' lesson was this. If Moses stepped out, his lesson would be this. Don't trust your feelings. Don't you trust your feelings. If he stepped on the platform today, he would say, don't, don't you trust your feelings. Don't let your feelings rule you. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27 says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Preferring to suffer hardship along with God's people than to enjoy, watch this, the short-term pleasure of sin. It feels good. I need to do this. I would, it would release some pressure when I don't feel pressure. He reckoned that reproach suffered for the Messiah was worth more than all the treasure of Egypt. He was looking ahead to the reward. It was by faith that he left Egypt without fear of Pharaoh's anger. Without what? Without what? Without what? Of Pharaoh's anger. He kept the invisible one constantly before his eyes. Guys, the greatest enemy of your faith is your feelings. When you make choices based on your feelings and not on your faith, it's not going to turn out well. Young, 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 Young folks, listen to me. There's a temptation that says, I want to do, listen to me, I want to do right now because it feels right. And how many know even in the Christian, in the Christian community, we, we, we hear people say, well, I just, it just feels right. They're not talking about their emotions and their feelings. They're talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Your faith, excuse me, your feelings will lie to you. How many knows your feelings can change all the time? Your emotions can change all the time. The question is this. Are you choosing your choices? Are they by your faith or are they by your feelings? Are you making decisions based on the way you feel? Or are you making decisions based on your faith? I don't know about you, but this is helping me this morning. Come on now. Amen. Amen. This is good stuff. So good. I hope and I pray you hear what God's saying. The next is Joshua. If Joshua took center stage this morning, Joshua stepped out of eternity and stood on this platform. I believe that Joshua would give us this lesson, and the lesson is this that you thank God in advance. That you thank God in advance. That you begin to be thankful and you have gratitude towards God in advance. And here's the reason I believe that he would give us this lesson. He would say that if you're taking notes again. Right, God. Right. Thank God in advance. Hebrews 11.30, it says, it was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell down. Most, most people know, the, know, if you've been around church very long, you, you, know, you know about Jericho and you know about what the writer of Hebrews was referring to. You know that, 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 that God spoke to the people of Israel and they were, well, uh, were getting ready to, to take uh, Jericho. Uh, God gave the instructions for a, a certain amount of days, for six days. I want you to walk around the, 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 the walls of Jericho. Just get out there and walk. 
Get your swords and get your spear. Get your stuff and get out there and just walk around the walls. But then on the seventh day, God said, now this time you walk, what I want you to do is I want you to leave, leave your swords and leave your shield, leave those in your tent. All you need to bring is your voice. Walked out, they lined up and they began to walk around the walls of Jericho. But instead of walking around with swords and spears in their hand, they began to praise God. They began to worship God. I have to believe that they begin to thank God for the victory and thank God for the walls falling. Thank God for a breakthrough before anything ever happened. Why? Because that's what faith does. Faith is thankful before it sees anything moving. Come on now. That's one of the reasons worship and praise is so, so powerful. Not just singing a song, but getting, in, getting together and begin to thank God and praise God for your kid turning around before he's out, out still acting like a fool. I thank God I just want to worship you right now because that boy's coming home in the name of Jesus and he's going to respond to your spouse that's acting crazy. Your employer that doesn't seem like to have any sense. <laughs> Praising God for the answer. Can somebody say amen to that? Because here's one of the things. Listen to me. Listen to me. Thanksgiving creates expectation. Gratitude creates expectation. So again, I think Joshua would say this. He would say, you need to learn to th- remember. Remember, you thank God in advance. Thank God in advance. As I wrap up this morning, as I wrap up this morning, I want to Introduce the last one to you, the last legend. Her name is Rahab. She stepped out on the platform this morning. I believe the lesson that she would give us is this, as a wrap up. I believe she would say, look, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to faith, write this down. Here's the lesson. Help others. Help somebody. Help others. Don't just think about yourself. Don't just think about you and your family. You know about Rahab. It says in Hebrews 11.31, it says, By faith that Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies and was not killed with those who refused to obey God. So they sent spies into the, to the city. And, 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 and instead of rejecting the spies, instead of rejecting them and running from them, she helped them. Can I, can I paint a little bit clearer picture for that in that moment? Listen, she was involved with God's purpose. She, was in God, she, she, she connected with God's plan. She became involved with God's purpose. Rahab's faith affected others, listen to me, and so should ours. Because here, here, here's why. Here's why. In the church community today, when you hear faith, what do you think about? You think about you. You think about what faith and the door of faith and when it's open, what God can come in and do for you. I know I used to. But there's more to faith than what God can do for us. Galatians 5, 6 says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. Pay close attention to this last statement. What is important What is important is faith expressing itself in love. James 2.18 says, someone might say, you have faith, but I have deeds. 
Show me your faith without doing anything, and I will show you my faith by what I do. I need somebody up on an instrument right now. Someone might say, you have faith. This is James, a pastor talking. You have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without doing anything, and I'll show you my faith by what I what? Your faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Your faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. That's what James was saying. That's what the writer, that's what Paul was saying in Galatians. Listen to me. My faith, your faith, is not solely to make your dream come true. Does anybody in this room have a dream? My God, I got to spend another 45 minutes. So I'm going to ask this question one more time. Because some are like, I, I, don't care. I don't care what the answer is. I'm not standing here another 45 minutes, but listen to me. When I raise, when I ask the question, how many in this room has a dream? Here's what I mean. Your dream is for something to happen that you can't do on your own. Now, how many in this room have a dream? You need God to help you. Thank you. Thank you. See, it didn't take 45 minutes. It took about 45 seconds. But so often what happens is that we say, you know what? I'm going to use my faith so God can help me with my dream. And God loves that. He's your father. He loves that. But you do realize that he has a dream too. He has a dream. He's got a dream, guys. And you say, what is that? Well, I can tell you what it looks like. Every week in this church, in most, a lot of other churches across America, please just be still as we can. There, there's, there are people at some point in the service that give their life to Christ. They raise their hand and say, I surrender my life to Christ. They down the volume just a little bit, please. They give their life to Christ. You say, what happens then? Here's what happens. They move. From death to life, they move. There, there are so many times, that, maybe in small groups and life groups, that as you heard earlier on the video that we saw, that a person's life has changed. They go from where they are to a new place in God, further down the road than they, than they started. You say, what happened? They took a step. And on weekends, that weekends there are there are kids in our kids' church. There are youth in our youth group. You know what? God's meeting them where they are, and they're taking steps towards the future that God has for them. You see, what does that have to do with? You say, well, it has to do with the people's faith that are taking the steps. Yes, and no. It also has to do with individuals who are willing. To use their faith to further the purpose of God. It's the volunteers that make services happen so people can raise their hand and give their life to God. 
It's volunteers that help in the kids' ministry. It's volunteers who come up and they say, you know what? I want to host. I want to lead a life group. That's the reason that people make the moves. And you see, what happens is that when people make those moves step by step, what happens is this. God's dream comes true. So my question for you this morning is this. Whose dream? Whose dream are you making come true? Why are you using your faith? Is it just for you and to make your dream come true? Or are you using your faith to make a difference in somebody else's life, to help others, and also to help make God's dream come true? You say, which one should I do, Pastor John? You do both. You you do both. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Listen. You're here not just to have God make your dream come true, but to do what? Help make His. Be engaged in His purpose. Get connected here on this campus. And make God's dream come true. What's God saying? Don't push back on the nudge. Obey Him. Listen to what He's saying. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.